Welcome to Staying Connected, a podcast where I talk to other people about their stories with feds or vascular Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Staying Connected. This is your host, Katie, and before we get into the show, I want to remind you that the views, information, and opinions in these podcasts are those of the individuals involved and do not represent the opinions of the Marfan Foundation. The Marfan Foundation is not responsible for and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in them, nor does the information constitute medical or other professional advice or services. This show is not produced by or affiliated with the Marfan Foundation or the VEDS movement. I hope you listened to and enjoyed our last episode featuring Dr. Melissa Russo, a high-risk obstetrician, geneticist, and researcher in our community. Today, I'm excited to share an interview with Lise Voya Johansson, who lives in Norway. I am so thankful to Lisa for sharing her daughter's story with Vez on the podcast all the way from Norway and for the opportunity to learn a little more about the medical system there. So let's go ahead and go to the interview. Hey, Lisa, I'm so excited to talk to you about your story and your daughter's story with VEDS. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you, Katie, for having me. So where are you located? We live in Norway, southern part of Norway. So you have a daughter. Her name is Karna? Karna, yes. And how old is she? She's 10. She'll be 11 in October. And when was she diagnosed with VEDS? It was two years ago now. And how did you come across that diagnosis? Well, her father uh, had uh, been sick um, earlier that summer. Uh, He had a rupture of an artery. And then they took an MRI uh, on him and uh, saw that he had multiple dissections in his um, stomach area. And then he called like in July that year and told us that he had been diagnosed and that the doctors had told him that uh, it was some chance that Karna had inherited it. So my husband is a GP and we sent um, some blood samples and got referred to genetic counseling. Mm-hmm. Like almost right away. What did they tell you about it? They didn't want to test her because she was under 16. So they wanted to wait until she was over 16 and could decide for herself if she wanted to know or not. But I thought it was important to know now, straight away, if she had it or not. So then your husband ordered the, the blood work yeah. for it and just kind of went around. Yeah, we didn't tell the genetic <laughs> counselor that we had senses. That's really great that you had that um, that avenue yeah. to use. Yes. Okay. So after about six weeks, we actually thought the blood samples had been stopped by uh, the counselor, but then um, he got the answers uh, that she had the, the diagnosis. And how did that feel when you got that diagnosis? Ah, that was hard. (laughs) Yes, I was devastated. How did you get through that? Well, uh, between the time that 
we sent in the samples and the answer came. We did a lot of talking about how we wanted her life to be mm -hmm. uh, if she got diagnosed. So I was a bit prepared because I, I was pretty sure she had it. Um, so we were determined to uh, make her life as normal as possible and focus on every day and yeah. Yeah. Does he, does she look a lot like him or what are outward signs that she has feds? Yes, she looks just like him, like you know, all the facial appearances that like large eyes and thin nose and yeah. thin uh, and like receding gums, mm. translucent skin. She had some bruising mm. and she has always slept with her eyes open. Did you find that odd when you were when she was little? Yeah, but I didn't think so much about it because her dad did it too. Mm. So yeah, that's one I hear so often, like that so many people sleep with their eyes open with beds. Yeah. Yeah. Did she have all the translucent skin like when she was born too? I didn't think so much about it, so I'm not sure if she had it then, but she, she has it now. And she had some stretch marks when she was just like six months. And I remember I thought it, that was strange and asked the doctor why she had stretch marks, but yeah. they didn't know. They thought it was strange too. And then they didn't know what to do with that. No. Yeah. She broke her elbow when she was just like three years old. She just had a small fall and then the whole elbow broke. Ouch. Yeah. So she would get, um... It's like injuries from, from small things. Yeah. Yeah. What about her skin? Like, does her skin tear really easily? I know for me, like, I've gotten a wound that definitely needed stitches from a couch before, from bumping into a couch. Does yeah, she, get she that? has stitches all over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a big thing when I was a kid, and there was never really an answer for it until I got diagnosed with beds and... It was all of a sudden this like light bulb yeah. went off for me. I remember I thought it was kind of funny because I have two boys mm -hmm. and two girls. And Connor was the only one. She had more <laughs> stitches and, or, and blue marks than all of the other kids. <laughs> and she wasn't really roughhousing that much. No. It's so, it's so funny how that happens. It's like I always thought I was really hard on my body, but really... Everything else is just hard on my body. Yeah. Yeah, it changes the perspective when you have an answer. Yeah. And was your, so was the pregnancy with her different than with your others? Yes, I had to go to the hospital when I was only 23 weeks and I had to stay on bed rest at the hospital. And then oh. she was born premature, seven, seven weeks premature. Did the membranes rupture? Is that what? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I hear that a lot too um, with other moms who have kids with beds that don't have beds themselves. Is the the membranes sometimes rupture early? So does she know that she has beds? Yes, she knows she has uh, she has beds, but not um, what it's all about yet. Okay. And she's, I mean, she's still young. Hopefully she hasn't had any major events. 
No, no major events. She was a, little, a lot sick when she was a baby. Uh, we went in and out of the hospital until they finally found out that she was constipated. So they put her on laxatives, but it didn't help so much that I had to um, do it uh, in the hospital. What were her symptoms that led her to the ER? Uh, she was always crying as a baby, couldn't uh, stop her crying. And then after a while, she started to uh, vomit mm -hmm. a lot. And we went into the hospital and I took an ultrasound and found out that she was constipated um, up high in her intestines. So they thought that the, might have been the problems the whole time. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of GI issues and kids with VEDS, and I know that's something that I've had problems with my whole life too. Yeah. How do you plan to approach, or do you have a plan yet, on how to approach deeper conversations with her about VEDS when she gets older? Yeah, um, I think um, I will do it like spread out. Mm -hmm. We'll wait now until she gets uh, in her teens and then give her some more information then. And then as she gets older, more and more, so. Does she like playing any sports or anything? Or, are you, or is she pretty much out of those kinds of activities? Uh, she doesn't like to play sports. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she does all the same things that her um, friends do at school. Mm -hmm. I, the only thing I don't want to do is play uh, like football or basketball but. yeah so do you do you know anybody else in norway with feds or what is it like living there with feds uh i have some phone contact with another mom but her daughter is grown up mm -hmm. so i actually think that connor was the first child in norway diagnosed with feds oh. and there's only 21 people here in Norway with the diagnosis. That's a small number. Yeah. It's a very small number. Do you think that awareness there is growing or is it still? No, not at all. <laughs> no. 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 Well, hopefully this, this podcast will help that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So if there was somebody else who had a child who was just diagnosed now that you've, it's been about two years since her diagnosis, what kind of advice would you give them for getting through that and, you know, just living with this knowledge? Well, uh, first of all, I'll say that uh, to have focus on everyday life and try to make your child's uh, life as normal as possible and obtain knowledge. Mm -hmm. from uh, reliable sources and uh, make contact with others in the community or other parents with children with the diagnosis. Yeah, and that's really what's helped you. Too. Yes, I, I found uh, the American group. Uh, I think you uh, found it for me or invited <laughs> me in. Yes, I'm so grateful to being a part of that. Yeah, I'm really grateful that you reached out and that I was able to get you in that group.
So anybody who's listening, if you are feeling very alone in this diagnosis and you have a kid with VEDS or you have VEDS yourself and you don't have a community of people, um, reach out to me through this through this uh, podcast on my website and I will do my best to get you connected. There's a really great community out here. I think there's is there several hundred people now in that group, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So you've made, been able to make connections then not only in the very small community of people in Norway, but worldwide. Yes. What does that feel like? Like when you first joined the community, what did that feel like for you? I thought it was so good to have other to talk to about her diagnosis and like you with the diagnosis yourself and how it is for you to live with the diagnosis and yeah feel I can ask all kind of questions if yeah. I'm wondering yeah. and I want to go back to so I know that you had a challenge getting her diagnosed in Norway um, yeah. how else has medical care been there for her does she have a team of specialists or is or is that medical system a little different yeah it's a little different but because we got it tested I had, they had to start um, a team mm-hmm. for her because uh, it's like by law you have to provide some um, care so she she goes into ultrasound once a year in mm-hmm. Oslo, the main capital, where the big hospitals are, and that's basically it. And does she do pretty well with those? Like, does she know why? Yeah, she knows why. Okay. It goes well. Well, that's good. So ultrasound's yeah. pretty non-invasive and not yeah. scary like a like a MRI. She... Yeah, but when she gets older, they will do MRIs. So tell me more about the medical system there. Yeah, so here in Norway, it's um, free, all medical care um, for children under 18. We don't have to pay if she has to go to the hospital or to GP or physiotherapy or like it's all for free. Mm-hmm. And if she gets sick, I can go on sick leave and get paid to take care of her. And for, uh, for older people over 18, you just have to pay about $200. And then when you pay that, you get something we call free card. Then for the rest of the year, you get everything free. Wow, that is so different than here. Yeah. Is it good? Is it like, does it, is it good? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how else to answer ask that question. <laughs> I guess it's like your uh, medical care that you, you, cause you have to have insurance, don't you? Yeah. yeah. But there's like so many different insurance plans and grades of insurance and costs that I, I think there's a big disparity in the, yeah. in our healthcare system. Here you get to the best hospitals or we actually have like, you can um, choose which hospital you want to go in around all of Norway. And there and there's a lot of good hospitals to choose from. Yeah, they're, they're all the same, like good. It's <laughs> so different for me. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, that's so different. That's great though. So that so her medical care is really covered right now for another 
eight years for free. Yeah, and then after that, she only has to pay $200. And then uh, when she has paid that, the rest of the year is free. That's wonderful. If, if there is something, I know the medical system there is different in Norway, and it was a bit of a challenge getting her diagnosed. And you've also mentioned that, you know, there's only 21 or so people in Norway who have the diagnosis. If there was something that you would want medical professionals to know about what it's like, like living with this or living with a child who has this, what would that be? Just for the medical profession telling Norway to um, acquire more knowledge about the disease. So we don't have all the things that you have, like medical bracelets and stuff, but we have something on the internet, like your medical journal on the internet. So mm -hmm. in case of emergencies, the, the medical professions can look it up. Yeah. So in Kana, she says that she has beds, but I don't think anyone knows <laughs> what beds is. Yeah. No. So just more general knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully this podcast will help do that and spread some awareness there. I want to know, I really want to know more about how you coped emotionally with the diagnosis. Like, I think it's really good for people to hear that if you're willing to share in more detail about what that experience was like. Yes, um, I think I was devastated for the first year. I actually couldn't speak to anyone about her diagnosis without starting to cry. But as time goes on, you learn to live with it and try to think positive and, like I said, take a, a day at a time and focus on everyday, normal life. And that um, really helped you. Did you have somebody to talk to, like close friends or anything, or did you really hold it like very close? No, I, I had my husband and that was good because, like I said, he's a GP and he knows mm -hmm. about medical stuff and, yeah. That's about it. <laughs> and, then, and then I could uh, reach out to uh, the VEDS community on Facebook that yeah. you're a part of. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and Karna's story on the podcast. I really appreciate thank you, that. Pam. Thank you for having me. If there's one last thought for the listeners that you have, is there any one last parting, parting thought that you have? I think I just think it's so important to spread the awareness and i'm so grateful that you make these podcasts and your know, youtube videos and uh, i think that's great i really appreciate that i i definitely started those because i didn't want other people to go through this alone and i wanted to to raise the awareness so it feels really i'm really grateful that these have been helpful for you all the way in Norway. Um, that's just like such an incredible feeling for me to know that they've been impactful. And I really appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Thank you. And by sharing your story, you're helping to raise the awareness too. And that's really- I hope great. so, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for joining. Thank you, Katie.
Thank you everyone for listening in today and a huge thanks again to Lisa for sharing her and her daughter's story on the podcast. I hope you enjoy this show. I hope you find it informative or helpful. This podcast and all of you are just really close to my heart and it would mean so much to me if you shared the show far and wide to help us raise awareness of vets internationally. That is just such a cool thing uh, to have this podcast be impactful internationally. So thank you for that. Be sure to subscribe to the show and stay tuned for the next episode on November 20th. We will be talking to Jonathan Kyle, a man with beds living in St. Petersburg, Florida. Thanks so much again, and I will see you soon.